The following is a message from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. It's my privilege to introduce our chapel speaker this morning. Uh, Dr. Joseph Kim is currently the founding president of Genesis International College, a new Christian college that is starting up in Osaka, Japan. He is an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church in America and as such a missionary with Mission to the World. Prior to taking his calling as a missionary to Japan and teacher and president of this college, he taught philosophy and business ethics at the University of California, Hope International University, and Arizona State University. He is the author of Reformed Epistemology and the Problem of Religious Diversity. He's also an alumnus of Harvard Business School, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and the Arizona State University where he received his PhD in philosophy. So, Dr. Kim, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, actually, I just got in late last night from St. Louis where I spoke at Covenant Seminary. Um, Thursday night I was snowed in. And so it took me like, I don't know if you've ever been there, but from the airport to the school, it should only take about 15, 20 minutes. It took me over an hour, like hour 35 minutes or so. And I think people in St. Louis don't know how to drive in snow because there were accidents everywhere. So it was just snowing and there was ice. And um, yeah, so really, really uh, just a great privilege for me to be here. Um, I, you know, I have to confess, while I was a student at Trinity, I actually didn't know there were two Westminsters. This is like 15, 16 years ago. Um, I just thought there was one, and I actually thought this was the satellite campus of Westminster. Had I known there was a seminary in this beautiful area, I would have gone here instead of raving the area. I was not reformed back then, so please forgive me. Um, so I'm a missionary in Japan. I served the last four years as the vice president of Christ Bible Seminary. Uh, we are the second largest graduate level seminary in all of Japan. We have 18 full-time students. Um, the single largest seminary, uh, Tokyo Christian School of Theological Studies, has 25 full-time students. Out of that 25, I think six are Korean. So in terms of actual uh, size, Japan is the second largest unreached people group in the world. It is one of only five nations in the world where more than 100 million people have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, not once. Um, so I'll share a little bit more about that. Uh, a little bit about myself. I am a philosopher, as you know, as uh, Dr. Kim said, by academic training. I've spent uh, most of my academic years doing philosophy. My particular field is in epistemology. And so I know that there might be some people here who have a calling to be an academic missionary, someone who wants to serve in an unreached nation, uh, sharing the gospel, but through academics. And there are many nations in the world where you cannot go as a pastor or as a Christian scholar. And so uh, to have that kind of calling requires you to get a PhD in engineering and computer science and philosophy or some of those fields. So if you are particularly interested in that field, uh, maybe not in Japan, but interested in doing that, you know, I would love to be a resource for you. So please come see me afterwards or at least take my card. Uh, at the table back there, I have a, um, an MTW prayer card as well as my business card. So please take it and then we can keep in touch because I know you're very busy and some of you may not be able to... Um, some of you may not be able to stick around. Okay, so today I just want to just make a small, a very small point, and then share my testimony as I make this small point. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John 
chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Again, just three verses today. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. I read from the ESV. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. As he passed by, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's very tough, actually, to be a missionary in any part of the world. But in particular in Asia, in East Asia where I serve, you cannot be a missionary and and try to share the gospel without the first few contacts someone asking about the problem of evil or the problem of pain or the problem of suffering. What exactly is the Christian answer to the problem of evil or the problem of pain or the problem of suffering? Uh, it, It stands in stark contrast to typical Eastern versions. And it's not even particularly Eastern, actually, this idea of karma. And so you know karma. You've heard of karma, which is basically what goes around comes around. That's one way to put it. Another way to put it is, is that if I have some wrongdoing in this life or at one particular moment in time, at a later moment in time, or if I am re- reincarnated in my next life, I will suffer for the sins or the wrongdoing or I will suffer the penalties of the particular wrongdoing that I've done right now. And we look at verse 1. In verse 2, that's exactly what the disciples were pointing out. They're saying there's something that happened to this guy, and he didn't have anything to do with it, obviously. He was born blind. It's not like someone took a red-hot poker and stuck it in his eye. He was born this way. And so there must be a reason, Jesus, why he was born this way. In other words, uh, they might not have um, verbalized it. They're saying there must be a causal connection you've heard of that phrase. There's a causal connection. There is a specific cause to this pain and suffering, the blindness in this man's life. And that must be because either he had sinned in a previous life, obviously he, you know, he he, he must have sinned, he must have done something wrong, or his parents must have done something wrong. In other words, there is a one-to-one relationship, these disciples are asking Jesus, between the suffering that he's going through right now, and something that's happened previously. Uh, We see this actually throughout the Bible. Remember Job's friends? Job was going through all that stuff, and what what, what was the answer to him? You must have done something wrong. These things don't happen unless you've done something wrong. Now think carefully. What have you done wrong? Unfortunately, for many of us as we serve in ministry, we actually give the same kind of response. A lot of us say, well, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure something bad didn't happen? Or are are you sure? But Jesus gives us something else. Here's what he says. He says, it was not that this man sinned. Now, of course, the man was a sinner. He was born a sinner. So Jesus could not mean that he had no sin in his life. What he was talking about is specifically the causal, the cause of his current suffering, the cause of his blindness. That cause was not because of anything that he had done specifically, nor his parents. 
disciples, if they interjected at this point, they might have said, but why? I mean, how, how could this happen? And Jesus says this. He says, the reason, the cause for his suffering was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So think of some of the causes of suffering from a Christian worldview, right? Think of some of the causes. Uh, well, one cause is we live in a fallen world physically. So we have things like disease. You know, we have things like traffic. <laughs> just kidding. You know, we have disease, sickness, natural disasters. I mean, all these things that just come from living in a fallen world. We also live in a fallen world full of human sin. And so we can trace all these things to that. But what about this man? We might just chalk it up to some random not random, but some sort of uh, connection from just living in a fallen world. And yet Jesus goes deeper than that. He gives us yet another category, and here's the category. He says that the reason that this particular man's suffering existed is so that God might show something about God through this man's suffering. That's amazing. That's amazing. I thought God was all good. Doesn't the Bible say that? Those are not my words. Those are the direct words of a former uh, seminary student of mine. You know, as he started digging deeply into the scripture, he says, God is good. But why all this suffering? And then eventually that becomes, why my suffering? Why my suffering? Uh, the very first graduate of our seminary, Christ Bible Seminary, is a young man. He's not so young anymore, but a guy by the name of Takaoba, uh, Oba-san. And um, Takaoba was born to a non-Christian father who was extremely violent. And uh, since he was born, um, his father would beat him, come home in a drunken rage and beat him, and would consistently beat him. And then the mother started fearing for the boy's, boy's life. One day the father started um, kicking him, and then in a drunken rage grabbed a wrench to beat the boy. And the mother just decided right there and then that uh, we need to run away. So as the father was looking for this wrench or looking for this tool, uh, they grabbed, uh, her mother grabbed a tuck in the middle of the night and then just um, took off. And um, from that point on, he hadn't seen his father. They were just running away from their father for the next 15 or 16 years. Uh, I met Taka when he was a second-year seminary student, and we were praying together. And we were praying together, and obviously, I, at that time, I didn't speak Japanese. He was praying in Japanese, and then I had to translate, I said. And I was so moved by his prayer. I didn't understand the Japanese, but I was so moved. I said, what? What did he pray? At that time, he was attending a conference at Sarang Church in Anaheim, which, if you didn't know, actually is the largest PCA church in America, um, 12 or 14,000 people there. And he had seen this church, and the first time that he had seen this big church, and his prayer went something like this, God, why was I born Japanese? Where there are so few churches, and it's so hard to be, a, just this honest prayer, why was I born Japanese? And as I think about this passage, what words could I offer someone like Obasan? What could I give to him? A few years later, he was able to meet his father at the age of 27. So that's what, 15 or so years later, he met his father. And um, he approached his father and he said, Dad, I forgive you. And then he did not see the man full of hatred and anger that he remembered as a child, what he saw was an old man beaten down by life. And he was actually able to share the gospel with his father. 
As far as I know, his father is not a Christian. But his perspective had turned completely. And here he was, the channel, the means by which God would show grace to his father through the suffering that was in his life. In my own family, um, my father and my grand, uh, so, so my parents' generation, so my parents are immigrants from Korea, and basically if you're a Korean and you're over the age of 70, you grew up under the Japanese occupation of Korea. Between 1910 and 1945, uh, Japan had annexed or occupied Korea and basically taken the Koreans as slaves. And so during that period, even if you had never been to Japan, um, in Korea, the entire school system was in Japanese. So my grandmother, my, I have one living grandparent, my grandmother, she has never been to Japan, and she's never been educated in the Korean language. 100% uh, of her education, she only went to junior high, from kindergarten through junior high, was in the Japanese language. Um, so she speaks two languages, Korean and Japanese. One is her native language, and one is a language that is a language of torment and suffering. Um, if she tried to speak her native in class, native language in class, Korean, she would be beaten by her teachers. Uh, my children, as we serve as my children are American-born, but they are raised in Japan. My children are fluent in two languages, in English and in Japanese. The common language between my children and my grandmother is Japanese. So a language that was a language of torment and suffering for her is a language of hope, is a language of love, is a language of grace, because we go to a Japanese church and we worship regularly with Japanese Christians. Uh, my father, who... Um, <laughs> you know, I must have been the only kid on my block in uh, the northern suburb of Chicago that I grew up in that had a Zenith television. Do you even know what those are? Why did I have a Zenith television? Because my father refused to buy Japanese products. You know? um, so we've only driven American cars, American, and I think when that Zenith broke down, he bought an RCA TV, which is another American. <laughs> and so... Um, my father, you know, just from the pain and suffering, he, he hated Japan. He hated everything about Japan. I remember I had a Japanese international student friend in junior high, and I brought him to my house. And um, my father said to me in Korean, he, he said, um, I want you to tell that boy to leave. Uh, he did not want a single Japanese person, even in our home. And um, when I first had shared with my father what, you know, the Lord had done for our family, that he was calling us to Japan to serve, uh, the first thing he said to me was, so Isaiah's going to speak Japanese. You see, I'm a fourth-generation first son. That's a big deal in Asian culture. My son Isaiah is a fifth-generation first son. And so the first thing he asked me was, he's going to speak Japanese? And I said, yes. He's not going to speak Korean? I said, no, why would he? I mean, we're in Japan. And that's the only thing that I had said to him for the next uh, six months or so. Uh, finally, he accepted our call to Japan. Uh, my father's a Christian. He's actually an elder of a church. And so, but, but just the pain, the suffering that he had gone through, just all the memories of being educated in this painful language and to think that his grandchildren uh, would be fluent in the language that he hated. Um, two years ago, he was able to visit. It's just shocking to me that the Lord moved his heart, that he would visit Japan. He actually came to visit us in Japan. And so I took him to this church where the pastor and I are friends, uh, Shimatani Sensei. And we were at this church. And I had forgotten, had I known, I might have not have brought in there, but I had forgotten that I had shared my testimony at this church, talking about my father about like two years ago. And obviously, like, I forgot, but like nobody in the church forgot. And then, <laughs> I was like, oh man, you know, this is, so and once I kind of realized that, I was kind of sweating. I was like, oh man, you know, I hope my father's not embarrassed. And then the pastor approached me and said, you know, the elders want to meet with you. 
This is a church of 25 people, which is actually bigger than the average church in Japan. So they want to meet with you. And the elders, you know, gripped me. These are, all these men are over 70, by the way. You know, uh, you know the three elders, like 74. My father's like in his 70s. And um, here are these Japanese men holding the hands of this Korean man. And here's what they said to him. They said, a thank you for sending your son, me, to Japan. Now just think about that. Thank you for sending your son to Japan. Um, that was the first time in my father's life that a Japanese person had apologized to him for what had happened. Um, my father's not an emotional man. And so afterwards, um, you know, we went out to eat and he's just quiet the whole day, uh, the whole day. And then before he left, uh, left the country, um, he said, you know, I know now, I know now why. I know now why um, God put me through that. That wasn't just him. There were, there, were, there were millions of Koreans that had suffered during that time, millions of Chinese as well. But for him, now it became personal. God put me through that. God put me through that so that his glory might be shown in my life. And I think about this passage, what Jesus says. It was not because of external, it not, was not because of internal circumstances of some person. It was not because of anything that you had done. But God had a plan through this suffering to show his grace. You see, Jesus does not dispute that the man is suffering. He does not say it's not a big deal. Jesus also does not claim that the people involved are sinless. Now, here's what John Calvin has to say about this passage. He says, Christ does not absolutely say that the blind man and his parents were free from all blame, but that God has sometimes another object in view than to punish the sins of men when he sends afflictions to them. God has another view, another plan, another purpose, another reason that is known only to God and God alone. My father, my grandmother, so many, uh, Obasan, so many have sometimes tried, and perhaps you and I know I have, tried to figure out why am I going through this? Why? Why is my friend going through this? Just found out uh, one of my friends, um, seminary professor, really, really godly man. You know, his wife, only 41, a cancer. You know, this is so common, and it's not like this is uncommon. And again, the questions are coming out. Why? You know, young children, ages 10, 12, and nine or so, and the children are just—they're slowly starting to prepare their children. They might lose their mother. This passage, Jesus says, there is yet another category, which is that God is the cause of that suffering. Now, that's not an easy pill to swallow for many of us. We go through this painful situation. God is the cause of that suffering. But why? That's the important part, but why? So that he might administer his grace through that suffering in the life of the sufferer. That's what Jesus says here. You might be wondering, well, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? Uh, just two quick things uh, I want to share and just give you an encouragement. You know, as we talk in our preaching and teaching how to deal with suffering, and we always, you know, those of us in the Reformed tradition, which is everybody here, uh, we, we always talk about the sovereignty of God. 
you know, the sovereignty of God. Emphasize the sovereignty of God. And that's my encouragement to you. Uh, John chapter 10, 18. Imagine, um, just sharing this. And Jesus says this. Uh, what about Jesus' life? He says, no one takes it from me. <laughs> no one. Who took the life of Jesus? Who's responsible for killing Jesus? Who's responsible? He is. He says, but I lay it down of my own accord. I lay it down because this is the will of God. This is the plan of God. And in the same way as you encourage those in suffering, encourage them, Lord. Encourage them. Just say, Lord, um, pray for this person and to really point them to the sovereignty of God, that God has his hand. A second and this is an important practical thing, is to allow others to come into your life and encourage that person to allow others to come into their life as they go through this suffering. See, one of the challenges for someone like my father was he never let anybody in. He never let anybody into his life. And he never allowed anyone to encourage him because it was so painful that he just shoved it away. He just shoved it away. And for some of us, that's our answer to this suffering is we, we don't want anyone to see it. We don't want anyone. And yet, in verse 3, Jesus says, is that God wants to show his glory through that suffering in the life of that man. Uh, and just, just the last idea. Uh, some of you in this room might be going through suffering right now. And you might be wondering, why, why is this happening to me? You know, why, why, why is God allowing this to happen to me? And again, my encouragement to you is this, and to those that weakness and suffering can be, it need not be, but it can be the means by which God shows his grace and desires to show his grace, his power, his glory through your life. And let that be an encouragement to you as it was an encouragement to my own family and to Obasan and to others. Uh, let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your grace. Uh, thank you, Father, that that though we are weak, you are strong, and that you have shown us here that you are sovereign, that even in moments of suffering, there is another category, Lord, where you desire to show your glory through us, through our sinful lives, Lord. And we pray that, Lord. We pray that for uh, places like the United States, but also in places like Japan, Lord, where there are more than 100 million people who are suffering daily because they do not know Jesus where there are more than 30,000 every year for the last 14 years who have taken their own life because they live without hope. We pray, Lord, allow us to be the salt and the light of this earth, not to minimize suffering, not to uh, sweep suffering under the rug, Lord, but to point to, the, to, to point to you, Lord, and that in some cases, Lord, that you desire for the suffering, Lord, to be uh, uh, something, Lord, uh, the means by which you show grace to us. Thank you. I want to encourage any person here, Lord, who is going through suffering of a loved one or someone in their church, Lord. Encourage them, Lord. Show them who you are, Lord, so that they can see clearly a why. And if not, Lord, allow them to trust in you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this uh, amazing school, Lord, where we can learn about your truths and study your truths and be the salt and light of this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Copyright 2013, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.